0: Hello, welcome once again to the Vantage Performance Podcast. I'm Phil Dobby, and today, hitting your numbers in uncertain times. Now, markets around the world are driven by sentiment. If there's confidence, stock markets climb, businesses invest, and consumers buy stuff. Then there's the not-so-good times, when the opposite happens. Businesses hold off on their growth plans and wait for those good times to return. And in some parts of the world, maybe less so in Australia, you could say that's what's happening right now. But is holding off and waiting for the good times to return, is that the right approach? Well, maybe not. Uh, Michael Fingland is here with me again, executive director and CEO of Vantage Performance. He reckons not actually, but uh, but Michael, I mean, surely the sense in uncertain times of not stretching your business because if you do, I mean, you could rack up debt and then not see the fruits in in terms of increased sales resulting from that uh, from from that debt.
1: Yeah, Phil, look, in any downturn or uncertain business climate, it makes sense to to sense check your growth plans. Your, your your expansion plans, capex plans, etc. But the the critical thing in this is that, um, like like in any um, situation, when when markets are booming, the pendulum always swings too far on the way up, and it always swings too far on the way down. And the critical thing in, in uncertain times is people become very negative, yeah. uh, particularly salespeople. And the research shows that, on average, um, in a downturn, um, whether it be industry or or, or uh, economy-wide, uh, salespeople reduce their calls by 38% on average. Now, the average downturn is only 15 to 20%. Oh. So, they they, they 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 over overcompensate, if you like, uh, because uh, and the fundamental reason behind that is is, and this is a human trait thing, is that they they don't like hearing the word no. So, when they're calling for um, new orders or trying to develop new new relationships with the customers, um, they. If once if they hear the word no too many times, it plays on their psyche. So they they stop making those calls because they in, inherently they don't want to hear the words no.
0: They just want to be loved, don't they, salespeople? So how do, <laughs> how do you do that though? How do you maintain that that enthusiasm for them? Because it is, it, I mean, they, I mean, so what you're saying is their job is getting more difficult. So they're trying to avoid doing it. In effect,
1: yeah, and it's it's so it's like human nature. They're trying to avoid pain. Um, and to by, uh, to avoid pain, they, they stop making as many calls as they should and that over-accentuates the, the downturn on their sales. So the number one thing is they've got to remain positive. They've got to work out, and look anything in life or in business, you've got to work out, oh, how can I be different with everyone else? And if you can uh, do some things to uh, maintain a, a positive mindset, then you're less likely to be caught in that sort of downward emotional spiral and therefore if you are making a lot more uh, or you're maintaining your, your outward bound calls and doing them slightly differently, then you will you will uh, take market share off other people. Which is important, of
0: course. Is, uh, you should be seeing it as an opportunity. But th- that 38% drop in calls that 38 percent dropping calls are being made by the salespeople. It's probably worse than that, isn't it? Because the calls that they are making, if they're not as positive as they normally are, then uh, you know they're, they're not putting as much into it. They're, the chance of uh, of conversion is probably reduced as well.
1: That's right, and and that's the average, as you say. So mm. you know the big some some companies whose salespeople you know, job calls by up to 50%. So again, you know, people want to do business with people who are positive. They don't want to deal with people who are, who are negative and and people can can pick it up in your voice. Um, you know, if you're if you're not being positive personally in the other end of the line, or if, you're, or if you're face-to-face, they can pick up if, if you're not um, on your game and, and you're not positive. It just comes through naturally in your voice and, and your actions. Yeah,
0: but is it, how do you maintain it, though? How do you uh, get that positive spirit? I mean, do you all sit around the uh, metaphorical campfire singing Kumbaya? I mean, <laughs> what do, do you have ra rah speeches? What do you do?
1: Yeah, well, everyone's got to find out what, what works best for them. Um, uh, one of the you know, there's a number of uh, experts out there on how to how to do this. You know, Tony Robbins is is one uh, as an example. He's not for everybody, but um, you know, that's a type of um, um, you know source of information you can tap into. But the, the the key is to, like as I said before, really understand the facts. That that if if people are saying no, you've got to try and understand why. And it may well be that you need to develop new markets. You might need to look at what other products or services could we be selling to complement. Um, what what you have been selling before, and, and getting to understand and getting to know your customers better, and, and you know over the last you know, pre GFC it was it was at its peak where a lot of people became order takers a lot of salespeople became order takers because that's all they had to do. They didn't need to actually generate relationships, build relationships. And as crazy as it sounds, it's getting back to 101. It's actually, do you understand your customer? Do you actually have a relationship with them? Or are they just someone that you call on when you need an order to meet your sales targets? Yeah. So it's getting back to old-fashioned 101 sales. When was the last time you actually went and had a coffee with When did you actually stop in and go and meet with them? Because a lot of salespeople don't do that. So when if so again it's about how, how can you how can you be different to everybody else? And simple things like that is actually calling upon them and spending time, because time's your most valuable asset. And as crazy as it sounds, that's actually being different because a lot of salespeople are still using email, they're still using phone and they don't get off their off their backsides. And actually go and spend some time trying to develop a relationship with their customers
0: yeah and also I guess also helping to develop the product as well because when they're order takers they're just selling what you have where of course we you know I'm not saying that salespeople should be out there selling something that you don't actually have I've worked for companies where that's happened and creates all sorts of problems mm-hmm. at, the, at the back end but if they go out into the market and say uh, oh look you know we need our customers are calling for more of this we need to change our product uh, I mean they are your coal face they should be the people who are, who are feeding that back to the product, guys, to to try and change what you're offering to to meet the uh, the circumstances in the market.
1: That's right, and also you need to sort of think think really clear. And this, and this only happens if you if you've actually spent some time really asking the questions of your customers. You know, you know, what is the outlook for you? What are you looking to achieve? What are you looking to buy? And it may all be that you need to look at new markets. You know, mm. if if certain segments of your customer base are just on hold for anything then you need to look at um, developing new markets, look at new segments, which industries are growing, and it may well be that you need to change the business model or tweak the business model. And and that could, you know, just by changing it five percent can actually generate a lot of enthusiasm inside your, your sales team. And that could actually be, be what it what it takes to, to get that positive mindset back because they're they're calling on new relationships, they're developing new relationships, not just calling on the same old same old customers who are telling them the same old answer.
0: Right. But what, I mean, that all makes sense. But what if you've got uh, a sales pipeline that, you know, potentially people who want to buy from you, but it's just not moving. Do you, do you need to change the approach that you take to how you manage that pipeline?
1: Oh, look, you do. But and the, the key in a, in a difficult market is to be honest with your pipeline. Too many salespeople, because they need to be seen to be keeping up a healthy pipeline, just fill it full of unrealistic um, you know, opportunities, and and they don't have the rigor to actually follow them through. A lot of pipelines that we come across, if they have a pipeline, is just very simplistic. Here's the project, here's the potential quantity of the of the of the of the order, and here's an estimated time to completion. That simplicity breeds um, a, a real uh, lack of accountability uh, in the sales team. You need to have a system where you actually have to rate. And break it down into, say, four or five stages of completion, and then the the art then is is to so you might have a lead and it might be 10%. That that's the percentage or the weighting you add to it as it moves through various stages that you've pre-agreed. There might be four stages. You know, uh, identify, qualified, you know, proposal sent, negotiating fees uh, or, or or price, and then close. By actually having a weighted approach to to your pipeline management, it forces people to actually be realistic with their their with their opportunities because if they're not progressing through then there's clearly something wrong there either you're not progressing it or it it wasn't real to start with so by forcing them to to, and each week during your weekly huddle or weekly toolbox meeting with with, with your team is to go through and and make sure that these things are actually progressing through because then again if, if if people can see that these 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 projects are moving through the cycle that also those little wins build momentum and that helps keep you keeping you positive that we are actually making progress
0: Right, and I can see a lot of this is focusing. It's all really focusing on the uh, on the behavior of the sales team. And uh, you know, you need. I can see that pep, you need that pep talk. But maybe part of it is to say, well, look, you know, if we can beat this, you know, everyone else is suffering this downturn the same as we are. Uh, if we can beat it, and um, then we have a clear opportunity to come out the other side looking stronger than every other company, and that's surely going to
1: motivate the sales team. That sort of talk. Yeah, and it's about just doing things five percent differently. That's all it takes. And and. You know, in in a a rising tide, um, rising market, everybody can sell. Um, Now, there might be lots of sales you're missing out on, but everybody can can sell a product. In a a tight market, it's about how do we be different? And I I can say this with with confidence over the last 25 years uh, in in doing what we do. 80% or more of clients do not really understand what their key message is. And, and what their point of difference is. They really don't, it's not crystal clear. It, it might be understood by the founder or, or two or three, four other people in the business. But if you go and ask the sales team of say 20 people, um, explain to me why I should buy from you. Who who are you and why should you buy from me? And and that, that, you get you get 25 different answers um, and because it's not clear, it's fuzzy. So if you can take this time when sales are tough, take this time to, to, to workshop and really get clear, um, what do we stand for? Why should you buy from us and how are we different? Yeah. And then get that message really clear um, to a point, and it needs a lot of workshopping and, and um, reinforcement, but if you can get that yeah. really clear. And collaboration. And collaboration, yeah. and look, what one of the tools that we um, recommend is, is role-playing. So once you've worked out in a, in, a, in a sort of workshop environment, one paragraph, two paragraphs that clearly articulate what the firm's about, Uh, Why are we better than the rest? Um, And and, and why why you should buy from us? You know, what's our brand promise? And and, and in a way that really stands out. Once you've got that elevator pitch, if you like, crystal clear, you then use role play to make sure, and it'll take a few weeks, it might take a few months for everyone to really nail it. But it's that focus on that and getting it crystal clear because 80% of all your competitors don't have a really clear elevator pitch. They really don't. And if it's fuzzy, uh, everybody's fuzzy. So the key in any downturn is just doing things slightly differently. So if you can focus just on that, you're going to be ahead of 80% of your competitors because that's the average number of people who who really don't have a really clear understanding of their selling pitch. Uh, So just by spending some time on that, which is what you should be doing anyway, Mm. but... in in a downturn that can really help you win market share
0: alright so clear message the right customers make sure you're being honest about your prospects and your pipeline and uh, keeping that sales team motivated it all makes sense and of course it all does rest on the performance of sales doesn't it more than any any other time so great insights as always thanks Michael
1: cheers Phil have a great day
0: makes a lot of sense doesn't it Michael Fingland from Vantage Performance on the Vantage Performance Podcast I'm Phil Dobby thanks for listening we'll have another one again in a week or two so look out for that and thanks for listening